from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. You're a liberty-loving Latino amigo, and I do know the day today. It's Friday. Thank God it's Friday. And well, we've got a pretty action-packed show for you for Friday. Uh, we're n- not letting our hair down so much today. There's a lot in the news, and I want to dig right into it. So um, we've got this news about these sailors that we talked about last night selling secrets Two U.S. Navy sailors uh, were arrested for selling secrets. There was some additional information on that. We're going to get to that shortly, straight ahead. Uh, there's also, um, there was a riot in New York City today. Uh, I'll give you the details on that a little bit later. And um, former President Trump, he's made his first uh, appearance speaking before the Alabama Republican Party uh, since his third indictment. And uh Yesterday, he put out on his true social that it would probably take four indictments. uh, And once he gets the fourth indictment, then he will probably clinch not only the nomination, but he thinks the 2024 presidency, uh, in effect, just mocking the um, the left that is coming after him. And uh, I find that to be funny, but yet also interesting how he he does seem to do better every time in the polls. Every time there is a another indictment. So. Uh, I want to get into some of that. We're also going to talk about a little bit later about how President Trump is now issuing uh, or his legal team has issued a subpoena for an interview on the Fox News channel between the police chief Sund uh, from the Capitol and uh, Tucker Carlson. And he wants to use that as evidence as well. So we'll get to the bottom of that. And of course, Biden's war on American energy, it's unrelenting. Uh, Everything in the name of climate change, but what happens in the name of America, right? Are we going to destroy our economy, uh, in effect, cutting off our nose to uh, spite our face? So I want to start off with this Trump because he was at this dinner and a major crowd. It uh, it seemed like a very warm reception. And uh, we have a clip of that from Trump in Alabama. Listen to this. And we didn't get involved in any wars. We brought our people back home. We defeated ISIS. All of the things that we did... The fact is that it's not fair and it's probably not legal what they're doing. They want to interfere in my campaign. They want to interfere in the elections. They commonly use tactic in third world countries. That's where this tactic comes. Third world, fourth world, fifth world countries. And they're taking it to a level that our country's never seen. The fake charges put forth in their sham indictment are an outrageous criminalization of political speech disorders. You make a statement, oh, we have to indict him because he said we were dishonest. Let's indict him. Trump says it's a sham indictment. Um, They say he was dishonest. Let's indict him. And I, I, uh, I agree with the sham indictment. Trump is really good at simplifying what could be a very complex idea and down to like the bare bones, right? Sham indictment, two words, fake news. However... Things get lost in translation sometimes. So this morning, I was up actually very, very early um, because I didn't sleep great. And 
I got a text message around 7.30 in the morning from um, one of my mentors, the great one, Mark Levin. Big shout out to Mark Levin. And it was to a tweet that he'd put up. And it's his um, advice to President Trump's legal team. And, of course, I shared this, but uh, I think he was you know, sharing it with me so that I could be up to speed on what's going on. And I, I think I would have said this myself if I could say it better, but I can't. So I'm going to read it to you because I think it's brilliant analysis. The Biden administration has created a legal morass never seen or experienced in American history as applied to a presidential election. The attorney general appointed by the Democrat president is authorizing indictment after indictment of his president's possible, not uh, possible, if not likely, political opponent in the middle of a presidential election cycle. He's doing so through his appointment of a special counsel whose appointment was a misapplication of the special counsel regulation and whose charges must be approved by the attorney general. And just as a side note, Jack Smith is not even a presidential appointee. He's never even stood for confirmation by the United States Senate to hold the position that he holds as special counsel to exercise uh, the authority that he's exercising against a party opponent. And that's just an aside. <clears throat> now, it should be noted at the same time, the attorney general refuses to appoint an outside special counsel to investigate his client, Joe Biden despite the fact that the Department of Justice regulation was originally instituted for these exact circumstances. Of course, this underscores the purpose and motive of what is taking place before us. The attorney general is approving the timing of these charges, dozens of charges against the former Republican president who's actively seeking his party's nomination to challenge the Democrat president for whom he directly reports, of course, he being uh, Garland. All of this intended to cripple the ability of Donald Trump to effectively run for president, spending his time and money defending himself on these charges rather than focusing on a campaign. Regardless of what polls show today and regardless of what the commentariat say, despite President Trump's strength within the Republican Party, the outcome of the election is unknown. Therefore, the polls are irrelevant in this regard. Moreover, as further evidence that these indictments are being used as political weapons and the timing of these charges, specifically all of the charges by the separate grand juries, all controlled by the special counsel, should have been filed after the election as there was no possibility uh, that the statute of limitations would run out on any of them. Further, the special counsel repeatedly insists that the charges must be quickly adjudicated meaning before the people vote for the purpose of having maximum influence on the election. In addition, the charges have resulted in the significant depletion of Trump's campaign funds to pay for millions in legal fees. Trump has to take significant time campaigning from his campaigning to address the dozens of charges dropped on him by the Biden administration. That is, he has to expend an enormous amount of time working with his lawyers in order to defend himself from charges that collectively would result in his imprisonment until his death. The fact of this kind of legal warfare against a presidential candidate and possibly uh, opponent of the, few, of the current president is not only unprecedented in our history and or the history of our republic, and it will destroy our electoral system for all time. It's not something 
that should be left to the various district courts or local courts to sort out in the course of uh, regular judicial proceedings. In fact, this is this is part of what is intended by their strategy. These prosecutors who are engaged in this assault on our electoral system, they must not be rewarded for their behavior. They must not be rewarded for their treachery and exploitation of the legal system and the courts to achieve their own political ends. Even without getting to the merits of these multitude of charges, which are easily unraveled from my perspective, the process is what is being used to interfere in the election. And the the silence by those who are orchestrating this shocking legal warfare when the American people are left in the dark is untenable. Therefore, Mark Levin wants to publicly encourage the Trump legal team to seek an emergency hearing before the U.S. Supreme Court, not to resolve legal disputes, but at least to temporarily halt the abomination of this legal warfare that's unfolding in front of us, where Democrats and anti-Trump Republicans are unashamed, unashamedly celebrating the use of the courts by the Biden administration and Democrat district attorneys. This is unprecedented, and it has to go directly to the Supreme Court. So again, that's uh, from the great one, Mark Levin. I'll share that on social media a little bit later. Uh, but I thought really well uh, put and spelled out well. And it, it's exactly what Trump just said, right? It's a sham indictment. However, um, I didn't want anything to get lost in translation. So I hope you uh, benefited from that. We're going to continue with our discussion on these uh, two spies that are now uh, arrested for selling U.S. secrets. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Well, thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Prosecutors in my office unsealed an indictment charging Wang Hang Zhao, a petty officer in the United States Navy, with transmitting sensitive U.S. military information to an intelligence officer with the People's Republic of China and doing so in exchange for money. All right, that is uh, U.S. Uh, Attorney Martin Estrada uh, discussing the arrest of Wang Heng Zhao. And um, I don't have the other name in front of me, but uh, another sailor. <laughs> and, and I want to get to the bottom of that. Jin Chao Wei, excuse me. And I want to get to the uh, bottom of this because um, we've been hearing reports on it all day. And I said, you know, when you got two spies that are both Chinese that are, uh, you know, naturalized, joining the United States military, in my opinion, just to do this. uh, And I could be wrong. I said, you know, I got to call my favorite spy, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, right, from the uh, London Center uh, and um, longtime spy in the U.S. and knows exactly what's going on, I'm sure. Tony Schaefer, welcome back. Hey, Rich. And let me clarify, I, I spied for our side, not their side. Just, just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just in case there was any, just in case there's any amb- ambivalence there to who I was spying for. So there you go. 100%. <laughs> so uh, what's, I, I guess I, I heard um, some reports today and some people saying they feel like this is just the tip of the iceberg and that this stuff happens a lot more than we think. 
And yes. I guess the, the media doesn't really get as involved it is, as it is right now. Uh, but I was uh, taken aback thinking, man, this is, a, this is a big deal. We've got these guys taking bribes, selling photos, selling all sorts of secrets. Uh, break it down for us. So th- I think they're uh, spot on regarding the importance. And as reports have been saying, these kids, they're very young kids. I mean, they were literally, I think in one case, I think is a good chance the Chinese sent this ethnic Chinese individual in to be a spy. I think that's what they sent him here to do. I think there's a, or he was essentially groomed to do it. That does mm-hmm. happen. Families do come over. Remember, there's a series called The Americans, which was all about the Russians doing this to us during the Cold War. So this sort of thing happens. And uh, what's most significant about the information they were after, Rich, is it was operational information. This isn't about uh, you know trying to recruit some slime politician to find out what policy is going to be created or some law. This is about them trying to give specific details of U.S. Navy operations to include technology, plans, actual details of ships, and most importantly, how the Navy plans to fight a war. These things uh, would indeed detrimentally affect our ability to to challenge or uh, the Chinese on the sea. So uh, uh, the fact that uh, they've announced it is significant. I, I think the, the fact that uh, there are at least two people, this is like an iceberg. If you, if you see two, there's probably a, a total of eight more out there somewhere. And so I don't believe this was a unique case, uh, that these are unique cases. I think this is something that's going on. It's much more prevalent than than has been acknowledged. I think it's something that we, if we're going to continue to protect the sea lines of communication, let me be clear on this. I'm not a neocon. I don't believe in imperialism, but I do believe the United States, through its uh, power, has been able to keep uh, nations, you know, uh, free, basically free trade, free, free lanes of trade, free lanes of communication globally. And, uh, you know, when we have things like this happen, we, the Chinese are uh, building up to challenge us. These things do really do hurt our ability to fight, to potentially fight a war against China. You know, Tony Schaefer, I realize that they're always going to try and spy on us and we're always trying to spy always. on them and everybody's spying right. on everybody. Right. That's kind of right. how you, you do things. But True enough. is there. And maybe the simple answer is no. But is there a way to prevent this? Like, again. I don't know anything about spying, right, yeah. or very little. But you, you tell me a story like this, and I think, oh, this guy's 22. So I have a daughter that's 22, and I'm thinking, she's not even in her career yet. Like, she's, you know, she's still in school. She's doing stuff. So, you know, figuring life out. So I, I presume that this guy was sent here, this kid was sent here to do this. Again, that was just my, my gut reaction to this, which yeah. I think you concurred with uh, and happens. Right. So my thinking is, if we know these things happen, and we see these 22-year-old young Chinese men. Why, I guess, is it against our uh, best interest or, or laws to not allow them to join the military? Uh, or should we have higher levels of scrutiny? Like, why is that happening? Because I would think if this guy applies, I want to be a Navy guy, I'd say, what, are you going to be a spy? Like, why, is, are, why aren't we asking those questions? Or are we? Two reasons. No, we're not. There's a two re- First, uh, there's a 35 percent drop in recruiting, Rich. So, basically, if they can put a a, a mirror under your nose and it, it, it fogs up, they want to put you in the military. <laughs> I'm just telling you, that's the way it is. So that's the that's the one thing. So you're going to look the other way and a lot of things that otherwise might draw attention. I know because I used to be a recruit when I was enlisted, and in hard times, you take 
people who are less than optimal. So that's the first thing. Secondly, during the Cold War, we actually had programs which looked at this. I started off in Army counterintelligence when I became a commissioned officer. And the Army in particular had something called subversion and espionage directed against the Army, SAIDA. And it was a comprehensive uh, series of programs designed to examine individuals uh, kind of for patterns of behavior. Yeah, you can't look at everybody, but, you know, if you're a spy, there's certain kind of common traits, I guess is the best way to describe yeah, it. Like born in Russia, it, born in China. Yeah, it's like, yeah. exactly, exactly. So you start like, hmm, this could be interesting. And you put additional scrutiny on those individuals who are showing kind of uh, potential to spy. It's, it is what it is. And then we also had something called op- operational security, which we did uh, massive programs which examined vulnerabilities, like what would spies want to go look at? Well, let's go figure out how they do that. So we actually put ourselves in the shoes of foreign intelligence powers and tried to, like, like if I was going to be, and it's called red teaming as well. So I would pretend sometimes, Rich, to be like a Russian spy. Well, if I were a Russian spy, who would I try to recruit to get into this program? And so we actually looked at ourselves for vulnerabilities. I can tell you for a fact we're not doing doing that now. As a matter of fact, I met with Mark Milley back when he was chief of staff of the Army. I was on the transition team, the Trump, 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 Trump transition team. I recommended to Mark, like, look, the Army did this back when I was lieutenant. We think about bringing it back now, especially with the Chinese threat. And, uh, of course, Mark said no. And uh, Mark Milley, I think, has got some his own shortcomings, which, you know, I think have gone they've become more apparent that, that I don't think he really is trying all that hard to protect the Army or the American people based on what he's done as chairman of the Joint Chiefs. So, anyway, we have done this before, Rich, but mm-hmm. the policy is to not do that now. Yeah, well, obviously, General Milley is is very concerned with white rage and and yes. you know discussing that and, well, and various critical theories. I'm not saying he has hemorrhoids, but it may have something to do with it. <laughs> Just saying, <laughs> that a lot of white rage there. So yeah. a lot of white rage. Uh, yeah. We are on with uh, retired Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, President of the London Center for Policy Research, and uh, straight ahead we'll continue this discussion uh, as well as a couple of other items uh, in Taiwan. There were some military. There was a military officer detained uh, because they believe that there is espionage going on for China in the in the Taiwanese military. So um, this is a common thread. This is, seems to be going on more more often than we think. We're going to continue our discussion with LT Tony Schaefer, the spy man himself. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. Plus our phone number eight three three four eight two five three three seven eight three three four Valdez. Coming right back. Don't move a muscle. I'm Rich Valdez. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. soldier or sailor chooses cash over country and hands over national defense information in an ultimate act of betrayal, we have to be ready to act. 
And that's exactly what we have done here. That's United States Attorney Randy Grossman again discussing the arrest of two United States Navy uh, sailors. These seamen were charged with uh, taking bribes and releasing operational information on exactly where and when military exercises were going to be happening in the Indo-Pacific region. And uh, this isn't unique to the United States. Obviously, this happens in other places as well. It happened not, not too long ago. Um, with uh, Taiwan, and now they're detaining a military officer and some collaborators over alleged espionage for China. And uh, again, this is just, um, I guess, a a topic we don't talk enough about. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, retired spy and uh, president of the London Center for Policy Research, is with us. So, Colonel, tell us about Um, what you think about what's going on in Taiwan. Is this business as usual? Yeah, this is, this is, um, part of the long-term strategy. My friend, uh, Gordon Chang talks about it often. The Chinese, uh, are indeed trying to get what we would call a human asset, a a spy into the, the, the midst of the Chinese military. I mean, a lot of them, they'd like to have in the government. As a matter of fact, I think they do, but it's different with Taiwan than it is here. Just a bit, a distinction with a difference in that, you know, right now the spies you saw arrested, the Navy spies were giving operation details which would go to degrading our ability to fight China. In Taiwan, they're trying to get spies in place so they can weaken and collapse Taiwan without a fight. I mean, theoretically, and as a matter of fact, Premier Xi actually, I think, made a comment on, on this issue either today or yesterday. I don't remember the exact date, but he basically said they'd like to see uh, Taiwan weakened from within, so it collapses. And he, he means governmental collapse, not economic collapse. They want the the economic uh, benefit of having Taiwan as part of the Chinese economic system, the PRC economic system. So I think um, what you've seen here mm-hmm. is being done in Taiwan probably more aggressively. And it's interesting because, Rich, uh, the, the, a lot of the Taiwanese actually identify as Taiwanese. They, they don't identify as Chinese at this point, right? And they appreciate the fact that they are they see themselves as a completely independent country. So, the Chinese, the PRC, is right now trying to essentially destroy the culture of Taiwan for purposes of trying to convince people in Taiwan that they they want to be part of a communist system. So, it's a real uphill battle, but it doesn't mean they're not going to try to do it. It's a, it's a very interesting that, you know, again, and I, I don't feel um, ignorant to this stuff. I know this is exactly how communists work. It's just, right. I guess we're just, we have the benefit of being Americans where we don't deal with this on a daily basis. So it's kind of like, yeah. oh, good, good. We're okay. But I feel like, you know, I spent a good amount of my time uh, because of where, you know, I grew up in, in New York City and, and live in Jersey now. Uh, so most of my friends are, are not uh, conservative Republicans and whatnot. And so I'm always, you know, either defending myself or, you know, they find me fascinating, right? They're like, how do you think like this? How do you, do, you know, and I, I, so I usually, I, communism is, a, I think, a good place to start because it doesn't matter it what is. your political um, party is. Usually you're like, yeah, communism's bad. But it's well, fascinating know, Rick, how it's become I, popular in America. It is. I mean, that's one of the points. So, you know, I, I'm glad you brought that. Some of my early assignments as a, a very young counterintelligence special agent was New York City. I actually spent some time at Hamilton. Uh, oh as the resident, yeah, I was there for Op Sale '86 when they had uh, the reopening of the Statue of Liberty. So I spent some time in, in your your fair city, and and by the way, Rich, 
I've come to find when you talk to people one on one, they agree with most of our issues. They understand yeah. that, you know, the, the very party that promotes so many uh, things is like they really don't stand for that. Our party does. Just saying. I mean, I, I'm, I my experience tells me when I've had one on one conversations, man, they, they agree with most of what I'm saying. It's just I, I think people have this idealized view of the left and of socialism that they don't understand. It's like, no, socialism kills people. I mean, it literally is a mm-hmm. system designed to basically, uh, when they talk about fairness, the fairness is bringing you to the lowest common denominator and making you all miserable. <laughs> I'm trying to right. explain this to people. It's like, they're not going to give you a Bill Gates lifestyle. They're going to let you have your own little trailer, your own little, you know, little apartment in Moscow with uh, plenty of vodka, no vegetables, and uh, lines a mile long to get anything at a store. That's the mis- that's, that's socialism. That's communism. And that's what it actually is. And if people... People have been buffaloed, Rich, to think that somehow it's, a, it's a, this utopian society where everything is going to be like, you know, given to you and you don't have to do anything. And it's all it's all there. So I, I just I think people need to wake up to the realities of, of what socialism and communism really is. I agree. And, you know, uh, LT, there's there's this whole um, there's this whole idea uh, that it, it's been Americanized. Right. So it's this new communism is wrapped in Bernie Sanders and AOC all out crazy right. where people think this is a great package. We love Bernie. We'll feel the burn. And, and when they, they see this different packaging, they think, well, this is fantastic. You know, we've got yeah. the green new deal and we've got the LGBTQ movement and all these things that, that again, these are all uh, from, from the history I've read, this is all very Bolshevik and, and this is, is exactly how they approached it. So I see it unfolding here in the U.S., and I think, oh, my gosh. Now, I wanted to circle back to something you said, which was when you were stationed in, in Fort Hamilton in Brooklyn, um, yeah. were you doing, uh, like, um, anti-communist work there? Like, because there was there's always been a big communist movement in, in Brooklyn and in New York overall. As a matter of fact, it was actually during the Cold War. This was back in 85 and 86. I spent uh, two tours there. And we were actually investigating subversion and espionage against the Army, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, we, we actually were. And so uh, it's interesting that we were able of, and allowed to do it back then because, you know, geez, Rich, back in those days, communism was bad and we're fighting against it. And now, to your point, they've kind of idealized it. It's really strange to be faced with this as, as someone who actually spent most of my career, my professional life, fighting communism. And to that point, uh, this whole Green New Deal thing is literally the most dangerous reinvention of Marxism I've ever seen. And I've got a degree in environmental studies, actually. You can look it up. You can Google it. My, my degree is from Rice State University, 1986. Yeah, like they've, they've taken bits and pieces of junk science. And like, let's just use this year, for example. They're, they're talking again about this being the, the hot year on record. Rich, Richard, do you know, you know how they're getting those, those readings? you know how they're cooking the books to get those readings? Tell us about it. They're, they are literally going and measuring uh, temperature ground level. So you and I both know, you, you put a thermometer on asphalt, it's going to be hot. I mean, come on. <laughs> You've been in the city. So th- what sure. you're supposed to do, what you're supposed to do is, is measure the ambient air temperature. That's how you get this. But no, 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 because they don't like the fact there is no uh, substantial measurable change uh, for, for your audience to understand for, for climate Science. You have to measure things in geologic time. That is hundreds, if not thousands of years. You don't see patterns developing in two summers. So what they're doing right now to continue to promote their Marxist idea that they need to control, the government needs to intercede to save us, 
They're literally cooking the books by measuring inappropriately temperatures in different places by measuring ground temperature, literally like the asphalt temperature. That's You have record temperatures. That's how corrupt wow. it is. That's how desperate they are. So when you see this, just say, no, I don't believe you, because it's not true. We have we are actually moving into a net cooling phase because the planet is, is in the middle of its 11,000 cycle. We're going to be moving into cooler and cooler temperatures over the next thousand years. It is what it is. <laughs> so I Unbelievable. Think it's the bad news. Yeah, it is. I'm yeah, just telling you, these people are nuts. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the climate crazies are climate crazies for a reason. Uh, yeah. The United States military is considering putting armed personnel on ships moving through the Strait of Hormuz. I want to get your thoughts on that because there's a lot of Iranian uh, activity um, ha- happening on these boats. So uh, stick with me. And, folks, if you want to ask um, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer a question, feel free. 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDEZ. We're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. is night. This is Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. We've got a few people uh, with uh, questions for Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, president of the London Center for Policy Research, president of Project Sentinel, and we're going to go to those right now. Let's see what we've got here. Uh, We've got Kim calling from Shields, Michigan, listening on KDKA online. Go ahead, Uh, Kim, go right ahead. Thank you, Rich and Lieutenant Schaefer. And um, by the way, I really like Gordon Chang, too. Um, I was calling about three quick things, and then if you want to talk about them. Um, I'm worried about the birth tourism, all the years that the Chinese members of the Communist Party, the women, have come here and had their babies, and those babies are citizens, and just wait till the war on Taiwan and the open southern border with all these 20-something single Chinese men coming across by the hundreds right now. And um, the other thing was um, at least one of those two um, Chinese military spies was trying to attain U.S. citizenship. we got to start locking all this stuff down. We're, we're just, you know what I mean? And that, that's yeah. it. Thank you. Thank you, Kim. I appreciate it. Uh, LT, go right ahead. Yeah, so, Colonel Schaefer. So, uh, yeah, so, so as uh, Kim said, yeah, look, all three of those are valid. Not only do the Chinese have the birth tourism issue, they have done that, and you have whole enclaves here in the United States. And I, I don't know if you knew this, Rich, Chinese restaurants, about half the China, joking, half the Chinese restaurants in the nation are essentially a collection or uh, outposts for the Chinese uh, uh, intelligence service. Wow. Uh, I so, did not know so, that. Yeah, so. Yeah, so that's why you see this happening. And also, they've been sending their leadership here to get trained for years. They, they, they Back in the seven, the 90s, I was briefed on this, something called cadre, cadre kids. They send their kids here to U.S. universities for a, a Western education, but obviously they're trying to learn also how to defeat our system. So that's something I would. And, of course, the southwest border, you have uh, a completely unguarded 
borders. And, I, you know, the other, I was on an interview today. They were talking about the unguarded borders, uh, open borders. I said, no, 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 they're really not open. The, the, the members of Congress have to rechange, they have to change the way they ask that question. The borders, Rich, are completely closed by the fact that you can't get through them unless you deal with the Mexican cartels. They control the border. Right. And you're <laughs> not going to get in. Down. Yeah, they got it locked down. So, yeah, I mean, it's controlled, but we don't control it. And that's the thing. We know the Chinese are dealing with the Mexican drug cartels to get people in. We know that fentanyl is being used as a weapon of mass destruction to weaken the, the very fabric of our society. And uh, the fact is that, you know, Kim is correct in her instincts about this, is that we have too many people coming here seeking citizenship, trying to get within the system to essentially cause the demise of the system not to support it. So it, it is a dangerous thing. All right, Lieutenant Colonel, uh, you're a very popular man this evening. I, I want to go to Casey's calling from Great Falls, Montana. We only have about a minute or so for this. Uh, Casey, welcome. You're on KOFI, and you're on with Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. Yeah, I'm, uh, I was in the military 50 years ago in Vietnam, and I wanted to know, back then, uh, it was a lot, of, uh, a lot of problems, too, but they didn't have the problem of having transsexuals trying to uh, integrate into the system. Right. I wonder how that's right. going right. to work right. out. Thank as far as the spirit decor or the unity of the units? Yeah. So a great question. And the answer is it's not working out. As a matter of fact, uh, they, they sent out policy guidance just about a week ago saying, if you're a transgender, you don't deploy. Well, that's kind of the point. If you're in the military, you have to deploy and go do things. So the, basically, because the left now controls the leadership positions of the military, they've turned it into a transgender wonderland where you can join the military, become you know, essentially transgendered, and you don't have to work. You don't. You, you get a free ride. You get paid military pay for not doing anything. It's a very bad system. It's, it's destroying the core. And I, look, I don't care who you sleep with. I don't care what you do. But uh, transgenderism is a mental uh, deficiency. And uh, you, if you start going through that transition, you require drugs. Those drugs are probably not going to be available in combat. And the fact that can't focus like any other soldier on on fighting the war and winning because you're so focused on your own issues related to your identity, I'm sorry, you should not be in the military. So I, it, I, I've seen the bad effects. I think that's one of the reasons they're having a hard time recruiting right now, to be honest with you. So there, there you go. Thank you. And uh, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, let everybody know how they could keep up to speed with the work that you're doing and um, everything else that you've got going on. Sure. Anyway, so T-Spooky on, on, uh, on X, Whatever you call it for now, X, I'm on there. I enjoy kind of calling up the liberals there. Uh, ProjectSentinel.com is our current uh, focus. And then London Center for Policy Research, LondonCenter.org. Check us out there. Uh, we do a lot of uh, great media. We have a lot of podcasts. We have to, we try to educate people. Rich, we've met and talked, uh, you know, in person. Uh, you know, we try to actually help educate people with great, uh, useful mm -hmm. information, not fluff. So I appreciate the time being with you and talking to your audience. You bet. That's always a pleasure to have you. It really is. I enjoy it. I always, and whenever we're done, I'm always like, I could do another half hour with him. <laughs> There's always so much to talk about. Lieutenant Colonel yes, Tony sir. Schaefer, you are a patriot, sir. Thank you for joining us. Godspeed to you. Thank you. You bet. Folks, there is more to come straight ahead. We're going to continue our discussion. We're going to get into uh, a little bit of a conversation on, on all of the news of the day and a lot more, plus your calls, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. 
This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, so uh, I wanted to bring this up with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, but um, he has escaped us. But the United States military is considering putting armed troops on commercial ships in the Strait of Hormuz in order to stop Iranian seizures. And I'm thinking, you know, this is an interesting um, situation that we're in because, of course, if the U.S. doesn't police the Strait of Hormuz or the South China Sea or any of these other things, China will, right? They'll take total control. And in this case, it's the Iranians kind of running amok, doing whatever they want to do. So um, this is uh, one of those things you kind of got to do. But since 2019, Iran has um, seized a number of ships. We're talking about, you know, hijacking, piracy. Uh, in the narrow mouth of the Persian Persian Gulf. So um, part of what they're trying to do is in retaliation for not having the nuclear deal that we once had with Iran, they they do this. So the, U- the U.S. is thinking of putting uh, troops on these commercial ships to make sure that we keep getting the ships back and forth and that you know trade isn't affected and peace is maintained. Uh, but it, it just makes you think, you know, how could we uh, avoid this in a different way without, without troops? And sometimes you need the strength. But I think if you had some strength in the White House, you could make phone calls and you could say, hey, listen, this got to knock this off. Let's make a deal. Right? But we don't have that person right now. now we, right now we have Joe Biden who just absolutely refuses. He just won't. He doesn't want to be involved. It's like you say foreign policy and he runs away. He'd rather, um, you know, go to Ukraine. That's the only place he seems to like to go. And, uh, and make deals with Hunter. It's, it's a shame. I mean, I make light of it, but it really, you know, if the U.S. becomes weak, um, not only militarily, which we are, we just talked about that, but if we become weak uh, in our position on foreign policy, right, if we take this, um, this isolationist approach where we just say, look, no, 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 we're only going to focus on America. It's only about America, only America all the time. And, you know, let everybody else kill each other, kill themselves. We eventually lose. Because if we don't maintain uh, dominance and strength in, in the world, we're no longer the world leader. Now, of course, many of you are saying, Rich, why do we need to be the world leader? Why don't we just take care of what's going on in our own backyard? Yeah, that's, I think that's a small way of thinking for a superpower, right? It's a good way of thinking if you own a house on a quarter-acre lot in a nice neighborhood. You just say, look, I'm, I'm not worried about me. I'm going to worry about me. I'm not worried about everybody else. And even then, when your neighbor starts doing something crazy, what's the first thing you do? You go, hey, Jack, listen. I don't want to offend you or listen. Anyway, we could work, you know, you, you bring something to their attention because obviously what your neighbor's doing is affecting you. So when you're the United States and your superpower, what every country does affects you, right? We're, we're like the, the tip of the spear in a global economy. Anyway, that's my point. Uh, we're coming right back. We're going to do a lot more. So uh, don't go anywhere. Our next guest is going to explain what is going on with Biden and his war on American energy. And we're going to talk about the economy as well. Don't move a muscle. I'm Rich Valdez. Coming right back. Live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez 
America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Your liberty-loving Latino amigo, happy to be here with you this Friday evening. We're live, we're national, and um, looking to speak with you as well. 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. As we know, President Trump, the 45th president of these United States, has uh, officially made his first um, appearance post his third indictment. Uh, and in effect, mocking the uh, the folks that indicted him, saying that indictment number four will probably help him clinch not only the nomination, but probably the 2024 election. He's a funny guy and he's in good spirits despite um, the uh, the attacks on him. But he spoke earlier in Alabama and we covered that in the last hour. Just wanted to remind you about that. And uh, of course, uh, we're continuing to monitor what's going on with those um, Chinese spies that were posing as U.S. sailors uh, and and are, you know, um, residents in our country, but went ahead and sold out. So uh, there's that. Then you've got uh, Kamala Harris, right? She's in D.C., and uh, she says that Bidenomics is so good, it's working so well, and then she reminds everybody to clap. Listen to this. Jobs numbers make clear Bidenomics is working. Last month, we created 187,000 new jobs. That means today, yeah, go ahead and clap. (laughs) I don't want to step on the applause. That means today, 187,000 more Americans are able to go to work to provide for their family and invest in their future. Today's numbers reflect the point that President Biden has made many times. America's economy is strong. Okay, so I hear that and I say, you know, Bidenomics is working for everybody. Go ahead and clap. I mean, you couldn't make it up if it wasn't uh, Kamala Harris. I mean, who else would say something like, right? Or a big shout out to Kamala Harris, who I like to call que mala eres. That's Spanish for how bad she is. But I do want to dig into what she said because I think some of what she's talking about um, is is very, very questionable. And I want to bring in economist and research fellow E.J. Anthony from the Heritage Foundation because, um, A, he's got a piece on this uh, recently, and, B, uh, I think he'd get a kick out of that clip too. E.J. Anthony, welcome. Oh, Rich, why'd you make me listen to that? Come on, man. <laughs> it's Friday. <laughs> oh, dear goodness. You know, it's just... It's absolutely appalling how these people in the Biden administration don't seem to understand their own statistics. When when you have an increase in payrolls, that does not automatically mean that more people have jobs. You can have double counting, for instance. So let's say, Rich, that you and I, when we mm-hmm. finish up with our call tonight, uh, you know, we're having trouble making ends meet because prices have gone up so much faster than wages. So after we hang up the phones, we go out to a second job, let's say. That counts as an additional payroll, and that right. keeps increasing these monthly numbers. And, and once you look at the double counting that's in this report, and, and BLS explains how that double counting happens. I should say BLS is the Bureau of Labor Statistics. They're the ones mm-hmm. who compile this report. 
so once you start digging into the numbers, you find that that double counting effect actually uh, uh, accounts for literally all of the job gains from the last month. In other words, there's a very good chance we didn't actually employ any new people in the month of July. Wow. That's a startling uh, um, observation, right? Uh, when you clarify things, it, it, it's kind of scary to think that. And, you know, when you, as you were talking, I was thinking, the last time I filled up my car, I, I paid a whole lot more, not like a little bit more, like a dollar more. Uh, I did do super. But still, I was like, man, that's like a lot more than I paid last time. So, I mean, gas doesn't seem to be going anywhere. And I think gas is one of those indicators for me that if you have a job and you have to get there in your car, uh, or on a bus or anything else. I mean, everything's going to go up when gas goes up. How, do, how does Biden survive if, gas, if he doesn't manage to keep gas under control? Well, that, that, that's a great question. You know, and uh, in retrospective, I think that might have been one of the things that, that helped save uh, Obama when he ran for office a second time was the fact that gas was not anywhere near as expensive as it had been uh, towards the end of the, uh, the George W. Bush administration when oil ran up to, what was it, like $145 uh, a barrel. So now, mm-hmm. granted, gas was even more expensive under Biden. It has come down. But as you just pointed out, it's been going up again and at a very, very fast clip. Uh, so it, it, it's particularly troubling. And, and you're absolutely right. It goes into uh, you know the price of gas, the price of diesel. It goes into everything we buy, all kinds of goods and services, because the people that we're buying stuff from, they themselves are using that energy, and they also need to pass those costs on. Uh, and and as far as you know, like you said, people are trying to get to their job. Let's say another really troubling thing that we saw in this last report: increasingly, the jobs that people are going to are not full-time jobs; they're part-time. In fact, all of the jobs that were gained in the last report were part-time jobs. Full-time jobs actually declined. So that means, A, things are not as good as they think, and B, these are probably people with full-time jobs taking on additional work. Right, exactly. So you know, far from a, a really good report or a really rosy picture of what's going on in the labor market, no, this report shows us that things are stalling out. We're approaching uh, zero job growth if we aren't there already. People sometimes forget that businesses, when, when things are going south and there's a lot of uncertainty, businesses will usually stop hiring full-time workers and they hire part-time workers instead. And then that eventually transitions into no hiring at all, which then further transitions into layoffs. Wow. Folks, we're on with E.J. Antony, uh, economist with the Heritage Foundation. And uh, uh, straight ahead, your calls and more. But I want to get into this piece uh, that he's written. It's in the Daily Caller on um, how yellow the famous trucking company, it, it, it's gone. It's, uh, it's on its way out. So, uh, folks, stick around. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S.
is America. This is Night. This is Rich Valdez. The economy is booming. Yeah. Inflation is down. The stock market is doing well. Uh, people are having an easier time putting bread on the table, etc. He doesn't seem to be getting the credit for that. Only 41% approval. Is it because they think he's old? Because I don't see anything else they can point to with, with him. Is it because he's old? <laughs> of course, that's the voice of Joy Behar. And uh, she's incredulous to the fact that Biden has such a low approval rating on his handling of the economy. Yet um, she thinks it's ageism. People, it's not that he's doing a miserable job with the economy. It's that he's old. Unbelievable. It's, it's shocking to see how um, people look at things, right? Rather, this is truly coming from somebody who obviously has enough money to withstand any recession because clearly she's like, who cares if milk's 250, 350, or 550 a gallon, right? And I just bought milk the other day. 550 I paid at a gas station. Obviously, I could have gotten it cheaper somewhere else, but yeah, I paid 550. I was like, wow, 550? That's like almost six bucks for a gallon of milk. Anyway, so the, the economy's great. Joy, uh, what did Joy Behar say? She's from The View, by the way. Joy Behar from The View. She says the economy is booming. Yet, uh, we've got this piece from E.J. Anthony in The Daily Caller where he's outlining how Yellow, the 100 year old trucking company, uh, third largest in America, they just uh, suspended their operations. E.J. Anthony, welcome back. Thank you, Rich. But why do you keep playing these clips of these harpies <laughs> yelling like this? This is not what I want to listen to on a Friday night. Oh, I tell you know what it is. It's that they'll accuse me. I invite them, and they refuse to come on the show. So I have to give you know some semblance of balance here. <laughs> People have to well, hear what yeah, the other side is saying. There you go. In, in, in terms of yellow trucking, though, I mean, it, it really is sad. Now, granted, the company did have a lot of structural problems. Uh, it's not as if uh, it's not as if Bidenomics alone caused the company to to collapse, but it was it certainly hastened its decline and, and was definitely the last nail in the coffin. This administration literally campaigned on ending fossil fuels and declared war on American energy uh, the very first day they got into office. Uh, canceling the Keystone Pipeline was was really the first shot in that war but but they have since really clamped down on supply uh they have helped to drive up the price and higher diesel costs really uh helped put yellow out of business but additionally with with inflation everything has gone up and that has caused a lot of labor unrest that's something actually that i predicted all the way back in uh october of 21 uh so almost two years ago and and we've seen a lot of labor unrest we've seen strikes and that has, uh, again, added a tremendous amount of cost uh, to yellow and really hurt their bottom line. And, and one of the ironies there, Rich, is the fact that uh, the workers are pointing at management saying, you need to pay us more because our cost of living has gone up. And management is turning around, pointing back at the unions and saying, hey, our costs have gone up, too, and you need to share in the pain here. Whereas what both groups should be doing is pointing the finger at government because it is government that spent, borrowed, and printed too much money, and that's what caused all that inflation in the first place. And, and then the last key ingredient there is that all that inflation also caused interest rates to rise. And as soon as that happened, yellow was in a, just a no-win scenario because they had no way of restructuring or refinancing their debt in the same way that you know, if you got a mortgage – at three or four percent, 
now rates are at seven percent. You can't refinance to a lower rate. You're hosed if you if you need to to get cash out, for example. Yeah, this is this is really really um, tough uh, because I think you know as you begin to this is like a real feather in the cap of the climate crazy in my opinion. They say we're going to destroy fossil fuels. We're going to you know get rid of all these tractor trailers, and they're literally doing it. Uh, and, you know, one way or another, and you mentioned there were some other issues there, but it's it's startling to me. You combine this with some of the policy that we've seen coming from California where they say, you know what, in order to have these tractor trailers, you have to have a certain type of chassis and to be able to haul this and haul that. And it makes it uh, impossible for, for many uh, owner operators to even work in, in California and the ports there. Uh, it seems like there's more and more policies uh, that are coming out, uh, whether they be economic or otherwise, that are putting uh, a lot of a burden on being able to effectively operate a trucking company. And if that's the case, then, okay, the, the Green New Deal people win, but how do we get stuff into Walmart? It's a great question. And, you know, some of it is we have to take the long way around. Because of different regulations in California that, that you were just mentioning, it is actually cheaper sometimes to ship things from Asia through the Panama Canal and land in a Gulf port and then ship it around the country simply to avoid landing in a California port where the the trucking costs are so much higher because there is such a a difficult regulatory environment there, which drives up the cost of trucking so much. Absolutely insane. Folks, we're on with E.J. Anthony, uh, economist with the Heritage Foundation. And where do you see things going uh, from here? I mean, we just saw this downgrade. Janet Yellen announced uh, that we went from AAA to AA. Um, I, I think many of us hear that. and we, I, I can tell you for me, um, I hear that and I say, oh, my gosh, it doesn't sound good. I don't think it's the end of the world, but, I mean, it just isn't good. Uh, can we expect more of that? What do you think the impact of that is? Yeah, I think we can expect more of it. You know, in, in terms of the impact, uh, when when it comes to sovereign debt, which that's just government bonds, when it, when it comes to sovereign debt, uh, investors tend to move before the credit agencies do. In other words, investors have been able to see $31 trillion in debt for a while. Investors are able to see that we are spending like drunken sailors with stolen credit cards. Investors can see that we are spending you know uh, approximately a trillion dollars a year on interest on interest on the debt that's something like half of all the income taxes that come in so investors are already able to see that we are on an unsustainable path and eventually the only option will be default now that's not going to be tomorrow it's probably not going to be in a year it'll probably take a while but we're on the wrong track and so that's why the yield that investors have been demanding on government bonds u.s bonds has been rising pretty much the entire year so it's not as if uh, this downgrade by the rating agency Fitch all of a sudden triggered uh, this this sudden change in the bond market. It's been happening for a while because investors are aware of the problem, but Fitch doing this out loud is just uh, an important recognition of the problem, and hopefully that prompts us to actually take action and try to solve it. How long, or when, or if, and how uh, do we see a reversal and? an opportunity to move forward and get the rating back and actually do better. I mean, we could see a, a beginning of a reversal as soon as tomorrow. The, what makes that so unlikely though, is that the people in power don't have an incentive 
to do it, partially because we the people are not providing that incentive. You know, what we really need to do, Rich, is make it so that the people in power know that if they do not get the nation's financial house in order, they will be voted out of office. But the problem is getting the nation's financial house in order means getting rid of a lot of handouts by the federal government that so many Americans really, really love. Because the problem is people don't realize that for every dollar they're getting, they're having to pay another dollar back in taxes to give it as a handout to somebody else. Yeah, not to mention the people like those handouts, but the politicians absolutely thrive and live on that. So it's like exactly. their lifeblood. It's a, it's a tough mm-hmm. spot that we're in. All right, EJ Anthony, tell everybody how they can um, you know, keep up to speed with everything that you're doing, how they could follow you, and um, you know, continue to learn more about what you're, you're doing in the world of economics and the articles you're writing. Well, the best place to find me is going to be on Twitter or, or X or whatever we're calling it these days. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's at Real EJ Antony, and you'll be able to find uh, all my articles, as you said. I also read through all kinds of economic data every single day so that you don't have to. And I post plain English explanations of everything with all kinds of charts and graphs to help make things more understandable there as well. And you're really good at it. And I thank you for being with us, brother. Appreciate it. No, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. You bet. Folks, there's more to come straight ahead. Give EJ Antony a follow at Real EJ Antony. And if you are so inclined uh, to stick around, do that because we're coming right back with a conversation on why Trump is issuing a subpoena to get a video of Tucker Carlson from the Fox News Channel interviewing the police chief um, Sund during uh, the January 6th as part of his defense. So we're going to talk about that with the author of a new book called Tucker. It's a a biography on Tucker Carlson. And uh, that's Chadwick Moore. He'll be coming back with us when we come back. Plus, at the top of the next hour, it's Open Phone America. And Fridays are always one of the best open phones we ever have because a lot of people are willing to stay up late and let their voices be heard. So feel free to do that. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. Don't go anywhere. We're just getting started. We're only halfway through. I'm Rich Valdez, and we're coming right back. By the way, your ratings are up. Congratulations. I had somebody. It's always nice to check. I like to see, even if they're friends, I like to see how are they doing? Are people listening, right? That's but right. You're, you're doing great. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And uh, we're having a conversation about President Trump, and uh, it's he is said to have subpoenaed Fox News over an unaired Tucker Carlson interview with former Capitol Police Chief Sund. And I want to get the details on that. So to do that, we've got a columnist and contributing editor at The Spectator. He's also the author of a new book uh, on Tucker. His name is Chadwick Moore, and he's with us now. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me on. You bet. So let's dig into this. Um, What's the significance of this video uh, that Trump is, you know, seeking to obtain for his defense? And 
Um, describe it if you can. Well, uh, yeah, so I, I wrote the definitive biography on Tucker Carlson. It came out this week. Uh, we've worked on it for over a year. And, you know, the only thing I do know is that all that content that he created uh, is the, the property of Fox News. So that's why uh, Tucker can't, you know, just give it to him. That's why Tucker hasn't been able to post it himself, those interviews. Otherwise, I'm sure he probably would. Mm-hmm. Um, so Trump is having to go through the courts to get it from Fox. Uh, it doesn't seem like Fox wants to give it to him. Uh, uh, and that's left to anyone's guess, but this is a, the network that also fired their, well, took their number one host, the highest uh, rated host in cable news history off the air for no clear reason, although it's clearly ideological. ideological. Uh, so what's in that interview, I think, is just more of um, uh, the questions that the media should have, more uh, answers to the questions that the media should have been asking all along about what happened on January 6th. You know, Tucker Carlson was simply asking questions and he was finding people who seemed to have uh, knowledge that wasn't being reported elsewhere in the news. And it seems that Sund had some interesting and provocative things to say about uh, security that day and, and the presence or of uh, perhaps federal officers in the crowd that day, Uh, whatever it is, uh, Tucker was the only person in mainstream media who was asking those questions and seeking it out. And now uh, Fox news of all places has then tried to silence him and keep that video under wraps. What do you think the potential implication, you know, if if this is something where, you know, Chief Sund is, and again, this is all speculative, uh, but if Chief Sund is saying, yeah, yeah, we knew there were FBI in the crowd, they told us they'd be there, you something like that, um, it would kind of undercut a lot of what they haven't been saying but have been saying by not saying in the hearings we've seen where they refuse to acknowledge any of that uh, for the most part. Um, what do you think the the overall implication would be, both politically and in terms of the Trump case? Well, I mean, it's difficult to say because the the whole the whole fantasy of January sixth is so uh, starkly divided along partisan lines. If you're a leftist, you're going to believe that it was Pearl Harbor and nine eleven and the Holocaust all combined into one. And if you're a sane person or a conservative, you're going to see it for what it was, which was a political rally that got out of control and in which only one person was murdered, and that was a Trump supporter by a Capitol police officer. So, you know, if whatever comes out of those interviews, I, I don't know, Trump might, my, Trump's team might think there's something for him in court, but he's not on trial for January 6th. He's on trial for his First Amendment rights, basically. He's on trial mm-hmm. for what was going on in his head. They have to prove that he himself did not actually believe that the election was unfair. I don't know how they're going to prove that, uh, but you know, to this day, he still believes that the election wasn't fair and that there's some shenanigans going on. So um, I'm not really sure what the tapes, how it might help this specific case, because uh, you know he's he's not on trial for that. He's on trial for something completely different. Understood. Yeah, and as far as I understand, the um, the the I guess the money shot here that they're looking to get is is a chief son saying that the, the crowd was filled with these federal agents. And I think that would um, kind of turn the narrative on its head. So like you said, it's unclear what the uh, result of that is going to be. And I want to ask you to stick around. I want to talk about your book a little bit and invite the callers to ask a question if they have one. 833-482-5337 is the number 833-4-VALDEZ. We're on with Chadwick Moore, and we're coming right back. This is America at Night. With Rich Valdez. 
Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. to what you've said in public, to what you said to the committee mm-hmm. on the Hill, um, and doubtless to what you're, you've been telling us in this interview, is that like, there's no corruption here at all. This is totally normal. Joe Biden had no role whatsoever in, uh, in his son's business or knowledge of it. But right. How would, I mean, that seems false. Yeah, I, I think that, yeah, I think that's, that's categorically false. I think that what, what the, he was aware of Hunter's business. He met with Hunter's business partners. He, I mean, you found a letter that, that illustrates that he knew me. And I he's thanking you. <laughs> he's thanking you for so, his efforts. So I think that was, for, yeah. I think for your a, efforts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that a, that's a, um, you know, that's, that's not factually right. Of course, that is Devin Archer, uh, business partner to Hunter Biden, in an interview with Tucker Carlson on Tucker on Twitter. And very uh, eye-opening, right? It's kind of like what we've heard and believed all along, but uh, more and more facts come out to support the fact that Joe Biden is involved with uh, Hunter Biden's business. And I would uh, suspect that Hunter Biden's business is Joe Biden's business. And it's uh, more of a Hunter being kind of a front man for the business. And we're on with Chadwick Moore. He's written the uh, definitive biography on Tucker and Tucker, the biography. You got to check it out. Chadwick Moore, welcome back. Hey, thank you. So let's talk a little bit about um, this. Do you get into the, in, in, in the biography, do you get, do you touch any of the um, controversy with Hunter Biden? Well, and I get Devin into, uh, uh, no, not with Devin Archer, because he wasn't really a name when we were working on this, but I get into sure. uh, Tucker's personal relationship with Hunter. And um, they were, friends and one of the things and they knew each other for a long time because they're both in you know they're both dc people essentially tucker spent his entire adult life in dc he was you know part of that class he was a part of that uh he lived amongst that ruling elite class that hunter biden has always lived in and one of the things that they had bonded over was sobriety because tucker's been sober for over 30 years uh tucker's kind of um the sort of sober person who's grateful every day to be sober whereas hunter's the the other kind of uh, person who's one cocktail away from a bender all the time. Uh, yeah. So I, talk, I talked to Tucker and put in the book extensively, you know, his thoughts on the Bidens over the years and his relationship with them. But what I think was most interesting with that, with that Devin Archer interview, which uh, you just played a clip, a clip from, yeah. was um, he really outlined the way in which I don't know if he, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know if he really exposed any crimes that were happening, like right. legit crimes, but he definitely exposed the, the, the extremely broken and extremely corrupt nature of our federal government and our regulatory system. And what's so amazing to me is that 
you can just see every DC journalist and every DC reporter doesn't think any of that is interesting or newsworthy because it's so common to them. It's like saying, mm-hmm. you know, headline, the Pope is Catholic. It's the world <laughs> they live in. But for, but for everyday Americans, for normal people in this country, we're watching that and we're horrified and disgusted and outraged. But, but it, he just really, as a, in the most matter of fact and kind of brilliant way, uh, Tucker did in the interview, drug out of Devin Archer just exactly how the system works. I mean, it's just all right there. And, and, and it's so clean and so clear and so grotesque for normal people. But it's just such a matter of it, it's day-to-day life in Washington, D.C. That, that is the system. That is the government we have. Uh, I think that, that was really the, the most powerful thing about that interview. Yeah, yeah, it, uh, it's clearly um, how remarkable it is. Where it's really the the uh, the candor, right? That that Devin Archer has, where he's like, yeah, like who doesn't know that, right? <laughs> the way he comes across, right. like, yeah, that that's not real, <laughs> not factually accurate, or whatever he said. Yeah, it, it was pretty <laughs> funny. So, what uh, what are some of the other um, highlights from the book that stand out most for you? Well, I think, you know, Tucker's, the most important thing in Tucker's life is um, his family, hands down, and his, his, his marriage to his uh, beautiful, wonderful wife, Susie, and their four children, and also his relationship with his father, Dick Carlson, who I got to know in working in this book. And, you know, I think, I think you know, his family life, uh, his childhood is, you know, so interesting. Uh, you know, his mother uh, abandoned his family when, when he was six years old. A lot of people don't know that. Uh, he never saw her again. She died in 2011 oh, wow. and she kind of left to be a like bohemian art world kind of hippie. She got into drugs and alcohol. Um, and I, I, I spoke to people who knew her and, uh, put that in the book. Um, but aside from that, you know, he came from kind of a long line of abandonment and dysfunction. His father, Dick was an orphan. Uh, Dick's biological father committed suicide at a young age. Uh, and you know, Tucker's really gone to great lengths to, reset that lineage in his own life. Um, and I, I found that, you know, very interesting and very inspiring and, you know, very telling about who he is today and what he values most. Folks, we're on with Chadwick Moore. He's the author of Tucker, the biography. Uh, definitely uh, check it out. Uh, Chadwick Moore, let everybody know the um, web address where, wherever they can get this book. Oh, sure. You can go to uh, tuckerthebook.com, tuckerthebook.com. Uh, there you can find more information and links to buy it, or you can go to anywhere you get your books, Amazon, Books A Million, uh, Barnes & Noble, and they should have it. Outstanding. All right, I want to thank you for being with us, Chadwick Moore. And how do people follow you if they want to, you know, keep up to speed with everything that you're doing? Uh, sure. Uh, I'm most active on Twitter, or I guess it's called X now, uh, and it's <laughs> at Chadwick underscore Moore. Outstanding. Well, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Folks, get a copy of the book. It's summertime. Get two copies of it while you're at it. And um, Chadwick Moore, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Such a pleasure to talk to you. Likewise. All right, folks, there is more to come straight ahead. Your calls and more, plus Open Phone America is coming up at the top of the hour. The phone number for that, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S.
Brown. He's bald and he's breaking it down. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez here with you straight till 1 a.m. Eastern. And I want to go to the phones. We have uh, Doc in Wilmington, Delaware, W-D-E-L. Doc, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Yeah, only heard you partially, Rich. I had my, my local station, D-E-L, had, had you off tonight for a Phillies ball game. I had to get you on KDK and got you pretty well. What awesome. a comment on the energy sector in this country. I was in the oil patch after I came back to the States from a from – a, Foreign, foreign thing with the government uh, for a while, where I was a contractor in a certain part of the world. Um, I was in the oil patch for about three years in Texas and Louisiana, both on and offshore, and I went overseas uh, in the Middle East with a, an oil field services company. We've got enough energy in this country from coal and uh, natural gas and um, um, oil to last us well over a century. That's fact. That's incontributable. Mm-hmm. The only way we get we work and worry about it, uh, Rich, and they're valid, is to worry about it environmentally. How do they get it out of the ground? How do they transport? Biden has been a disaster on energy. Trump was fantastic. We were drilling and exporting under Trump. We have to get back to that again. We can segue to non-hydrocarbons, I think, in the future. It's going to take a while, and, and it can't hurt anybody. We have to be able to put these people in the oil patch to work doing other things if we want to do this. And the people that are the, that are the greenies, as I call them, and eco-freaks, have no answer as to put people what, what put people to work in oil, non-oil field jobs. Number two, we can't run a major economy on um, on wind and geothermal and solar. Number three, if we're going to produce electric, it has to be done by, by, by nuclear power, which is fission or fusion. All the eco-freaks are against it. What say you, Rich? Well, I want to, first of all, I want to ask you, thank you, Doc. I want to ask you, what, uh, were you working like a, uh, on a rig, like drilling? What, what was the type of work you were doing? And then oil field petrochem and the oil field, oil field on, onshore exploration. And then exploration in the Middle East for a major American international company, uh, oil field service work in the Middle East. So good. So, and I think that's the type of work we have to continue to harness, right? Going back to point number two you just made. We, we, you're right. We were doing a really good job with that in the um, in the Trump years because he removed red tape. I think red tape is something that plays such a big part in everything. Right? I think more people would pursue the American dream of opening their own business in anything, irrespective of energy, just in anything, if they didn't have so much red tape. And some states are easier than others to open a business. But ultimately, I think people are 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 afraid of the risk of opening a business, but they're also afraid of not knowing how to do it, just simply dealing with this red tape, the bureaucracy overall. So I think what Trump did um, brilliantly, and again, a simple idea, reduce and remove as much red tape as you can so that people can do what they do best, like people like yourself that are out there doing the exploration uh, offshore and and in the oil fields. Very important work because Yes, we have this supply, but we've got to get it out of the ground. Like you said, there's liquid natural gas. Um, there's fracking that has to be done. There's drilling that has to be done. And we can't get that done if we're not doing it or if, you know, the, the, the land leases aren't approved. And if the federal government gets in the way and slows these things down, voila, we have what we have. So this is what Biden's done. <clears throat> He's come in. I think he signed 54 executive orders in his first three days in office, effectively um, uh, canceling future uh, build out of a pipeline and uh, destroying, I don't know, tens of thousands of jobs with the stroke of a pen. And 
and eliminating so much of the approvals on these leases to continue and expand the work we were doing with energy production. So, uh, yeah, that has hurt the economy uh, as well as the massive, just insane, in my opinion, government spending to the tune of $4 trillion following the $2 trillion that Trump spent at the end of his term because of COVID during the lockdown, right? So, uh, I mean, some people can argue that had to be done. I would argue we should have never closed the economy, period, but it was done. But what Biden did after the fact was just really just pork barrel spending on steroids. And so here we are with uh, our devalued dollar, inflation in full swing, and and no energy. So it was a, kind of like a, a perfect storm to, to really hurt an economy. And some people would say, well, if it was really that bad, we should be in a recession right now. But, Doc, I would submit to you that the reason we're not in the recession <clears throat> is because that some would say we are. And I would agree. We've had those, you know, back-to-back uh, quarters of slow growth. Uh, but it was because of employment. And thank God we've had some people holding on to their jobs. But even that now is getting shaky even though they're trying to make it seem like it's it's better than it is. So I think we, your analysis is right. Things were way better on all those fronts in the previous administration. And I, the current administration is, in fact, a disaster. And that's just my opinion, Doc. Thank you, Rich. You bet. All right, folks, we continue uh, straight ahead with your calls. Open Phone America, you guys are welcome to dial in and chime in and give us your thoughts on all of the uh, big stories of the day or anything else you want to be heard on. It is Friday, so we'll get into some uh, to some risque stories, if you will. Uh, but the phone number, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And, of course, you can always chime in online. Uh, at Rich Valdez on any of the social media. I use Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Instagram I always like using, but it's changing. And I'm not getting as much traction there as I used to. I'm guessing they, they're liking me a lot less in the algorithm. So maybe I won't use it as much. Also, if you want to support the podcast of this program, just register your email and vote for us. We've been nominated for a People's Choice Podcast Award. That's Podcast Awards with an S, podcastawards.com. Just put in my name, Rich Valdez, and the show is America at Night, and give us a vote. Anyway, don't go anywhere. Open Phone America is coming up next, and we've got a lot of crazy stories to share with you. I'm Rich Valdez. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez. It's hour number three. Welcome to the program. Here in the third hour, we do Open Phone America, a tradition started by the late uh, Larry King, continued by the late great Jim Bohannon, and uh, something that we honor and uh, cherish here uh, with me as we move forward. So um, you're welcome to join us. 
Open Phone America, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. I want to throw a story out for you. Of course, we're going to recap everything we did um, earlier in, the, in hours number one and two, where we had a conversation with Chadwick Moore and uh, our conversation with Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer and E.J. Antoni on the economy, uh, but as well as a couple of stories that are out here. Um, just interesting, crazy stories that I'm seeing right here. Fox News, just yesterday, maybe the day before. Florida woman faces more than 100 counts of child pornography, bestiality, and uh, other charges, according to police. This woman, 18 years old, had child porn on her phone and uh, files of her engaging in sexual acts with her pet dog. I mean, who does this? This this is a young woman. I have a daughter that's about to be 18. You know, I look at this and I think, man, this is a very uh, sick woman. Um, A woman from Florida, Brandon, Florida, faces over 100 charges after investigators allegedly discovered images depicting child porn and bestiality on her phone, according to police. I'm wondering, why'd they even look? Like, what was the, the purpose of this? Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office was tipped off by the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children on July 3rd that someone on Lido Drive in Brandon, Florida, was uploading child porn. Investigators with the Sheriff's Office uh, Internet Predator Unit tracked down the tip, which then led them to 18-year-old Emery Romero. That same day, detectives contacted Ms. Romero, who allegedly allowed them to search her phone. The Sheriff's Office said the phone contained multiple files of Romero engaging in sexual acts with her pet dog. The Internet Predator Unit executed a search warrant to go through the phone even more and, according to a press release, found more images and videos depicting bestiality and child pornography. After being, uh, after being arrested, uh, she's been charged, and they include filming, distributing, and possessing an image or video of sexual activity with an animal. 40, that's 100 counts. 49 counts of engaging in sexual contact with an animal, two counts of child pornography possession, and a single count of unlawful use of a two-way communication device. Man, I tell you, I don't know what the story there is, uh, but that that blows me away that that's actually happening. Uh, And there's a lot of other crazy news out there. There's a riot in New York City that broke out after a gamer from um, the platform Twitch was giving away some sort of gaming console, and it it went awry. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And uh, there's another story here that I really wanted to get into because I thought I'd never seen anything like this. A poor woman from Indiana. This woman, uh, she died. How? She drank too much water. She was dehydrated while on a family trip, and only 35 years old. And someone said she drank four bottles of water in 20 minutes. I drink, there was a point where I used to drink eight bottles of water a day. Um, I've definitely done that. Her brother told um, the news, he said an average water bottle is like 16 ounces. So she drank 64 ounces in a span of 20 minutes. That's half a gallon. That's what you're supposed to drink in a whole. There are times on a break in this show, I will go and drink a half a gallon and come back. That's crazy. Uh, on the last day of her trip, she began feeling like she couldn't drink enough water. And after returning from the trip, she passed out in her garage. She never regained consciousness, and the doctors said she died from water toxicity. 
Oh, my goodness. That is really something. What a shame. Young lady, beautiful woman, young family. Uh, looks like two kids and a husband. Anyway, I just didn't know that you could die from water toxicity. I've heard about, you know, going into acute renal failure from too much water or drinking it too fast. Uh, but being poisoned by water, I had no idea. Um, and I guess, in effect, that is what happens. Your kidneys retain too much water. And then she had some other health issues, and, and that's what uh, triggered this whole thing. But, man, uh, did you know that could happen? I didn't know that could happen. Anyway, let's... Um, let us go to the phones. Uh, I want to go to, let's see. Let's go to Jim, Las Cruces, New Mexico, K-O-B-E. Jim, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Hi, Rick. Um, I, I wish I had the Blue Fairies wand in uh, Pinocchio because when I listen to, you know, Biden, t- you know, tell an obvious lie, I would like to tap the wand on the television screen, which would cause his nose to grow live hmm. on the air, right in real time. Of course, I wouldn't, I would allow after a time period for the nose to recede back into his face, but I would just love to have that power. And I, w- I wouldn't use it just on him. I would, there's all, there's a whole myriad of people I would like to tap my wand on the screen about, like, you know, Adam Schiff or, Nancy Pelosi or uh, Jerry Nadler, uh, AOC. There's all bunches of them. And I think it would be so much fun just to I, I agree with away. You. you know, I think that you've just given birth to an app, right? An app like uh, the, the Pinocchio Nose Lying app, Lie Detection app, where if, if you had that on your phone and people lied, you'd just, everybody, whatever you're watching it on your phone, you'd see their noses grow. That would be great. I just think... It, it it would break, right? Think there wouldn't be enough screen room for all the noses growing, especially if you're dealing with Washington D.C. And in effect, it would be like a real life fact checker, not not like the phony fact checkers that they have in Washington, where they use the Pinocchios and whatnot. Uh, a funny idea and a fun idea as well, Jim. Uh, thank you for your call from Las Cruces, New Mexico, on KOBE. I appreciate it, and we are going to continue with your calls and more. Um, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. And today is National Coast Guard Day. Big shout out to the Coast Guard, uh, fifth branch of the military. And it's also International Beer Day, National Water Balloon Day, and National Chocolate Chip Cookie Day. So I'm pretty guaranteed most of you didn't know all of those. I only know because I'm looking at the National Day calendar. 
But if I didn't, I wouldn't have known any of those. So big shout out to all of those. Uh, the, the Coasties, the beer drinkers, the chocolate chip connoisseurs, and those that like National uh, Water Balloon Day, the balloon throwers. All right, let us continue. 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. Let's go to Carol. She's in Bedford, Indiana, WBIW. Carol, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Hi, Rich. Um, I, I listened to the story I heard earlier about the woman that she had drank so much. But mm. there, act, And I don't think this was probably her problem because she would have known. There's actually a thing called diabetes insipidus. Mm. And it's where you can uh, drink. You you can't shut up. You don't know when to stop drinking. And I've taken care of a child like uh, when I was nursing. I took care of a child that was um, she, he would actually get, drink out of the back of the toilet. I mean, they actually can. You have to restrict their fluids because they have no shut off. And oh, wow. Really so he was always thirsty. Well, you can't, there's no, it never gets quenched. The thirst doesn't get quenched. And thank goodness, I don't think it's that common, but, um, but it's called diabetes insipidus. And, uh, like I said, especially, but it's really hard for a child because this child would, would drink, it would drink, he would drink cups out of the trash if he found fluid. I mean, he would drink out of the back of the toilet. It's, it's that bad. He can't, you can't shut it off and he was restricted on fluids. Wow. That is something I did not know. Fascinating, uh, fascinating, Carol. Thank you so much for that call. I appreciate that. I had no idea. Now, according to here, uh, the the article in the New York Post, um, it says water toxicity, also known as water poisoning or water intoxication, occurs when too much water is consumed in a short period of time and, or if the kidneys retain too much water due to underlying health conditions, uh, which seems like that might have been a case here. Symptoms of water toxicity include feeling generally unwell, as well as having muscle cramps, soreness, spasms, nausea, and headaches. Dr. Blake uh, Froberg, a toxicologist with the hospital, told uh, the news that the rare case of death is more likely to occur during the summer or if someone works outside or exercises frequently because they would feel um, you know, thirsty and be dehydrated. There are certain things that can make someone more at risk for it, but the overall thing that happens is that you have to have too much water and not enough sodium in your body. And that's the bottom line. So later noting, it's important for people to drink things that have electrolytes, sodium, and potassium. Summers was an organ donor and was able to donate her heart, liver, lungs, and kidneys, as well as some of her uh, long bone tissue. Uh, ultimately saving five other lives, according to her family. So she's a hero despite her own misfortune. Uh, rest in peace, ma'am. Rest in peace. And that's a real shame. Anyway, um, we continue with uh, happier and brighter stories. Uh, let us go to Gil in Manila, Philippines. Gil, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Yes, uh, good evening, Rich. Um, I've been observing the uh, uh, the latest Trump indictment, and I I, I think they should uh, call it uh, "Revenge of the Swamp." Hmm. Um, but uh, looking at it from the other side of the world, it, it's almost surreal. Oh, you know, how 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 could this this kind of stuff happen? This is the kind of stuff that happens in. 
countries where I live now. They, they don't even happen anymore. They did before, but uh, they've got a handle on on uh, on law and order and uh, democracy here. It seems to work pretty well. But um, it just looks surreal. I, I can't describe it any other way. Yeah, I'm with you, Gil. It's... Um... I see it the same way, honestly. Do I think I find it difficult to believe that like most people aren't up in arms about this happening, but it's it's a it's a good tell, I guess, on the state of affairs of of the American um, body politic, where you know we're in bad shape. People don't know the Constitution. People don't know why we have a Constitution. People don't care about why the country was founded. I mean, our history is so um, vague to so many people. And it's just, um, it, it's remarkable to me because people, once you don't know what you stand for, you'll just start buying everything, right? Like the old saying, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And it's so true. Uh, it couldn't be more true in a situation like this. You've got people that are willing to allow the government to, to prosecute someone just because they don't like that guy. As opposed to thinking, but once they do that to him, they'll do it to you, they'll do it to anybody. Like we've now opened up the door to start prosecuting candidates that run for office. If that's the case, we can do it forever, both sides. You know, once the Republicans are in control, they can have a Democrat they don't like. Say, oh, we're going to come after you for X, Y, and Z and tie you up in court and make you spend your money and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's, it's just a horrible precedent to set, and uh, it, it's eroding hundreds of years of tradition in this country where we've, we've actually had the liberty and and freedom that so many of us exercise that we just don't have the same way anymore because now you can stop somebody who um wants to run for president just because you don't like them gil well could i could i make make uh, another comment uh, i i recently i recently watched the old movie uh uh gary cooper and ingrid bergman uh called for whom the bell tolls and it was for about the bell the, tolls uh, the Spanish, yeah, it was about the Spanish uh, Civil War in the 1930s, and the two uh, factions. Uh, uh, one uh, uh, was the Nationalists, and the other were the Republicans. And uh, Gary Cooper was an American fighting in the war, and somebody asked him, uh, "In the United States, do they shoot Republicans too?" And uh, <laughs> not yet. 80, 80 years hence, it has a whole new meaning, doesn't it? Right, yeah. Uh, it seems like um, Hemingway was very prescient in, in that work. Uh, anyway, thank you, Gil. I appreciate it, and nice to hear from you. And uh, I want to um, continue our conversations across the country, giving you that phone number again, 833-482-5337. If you want to be heard, you can give us a call. And let's go to Carolyn calling from Butte, Montana, KTXL, KXTL, excuse me. Go right ahead. Hi. Hello. Um, yeah, I wanted to tell you something about uh, Trump. <laughs> sure. What's uh, on your mind, Carolyn? That, that, that the judge that he went up, you know, in D.C., mm-hmm. that's Obama's good friend. Hmm. So that's conflict of interest right there. Yeah, potentially might be. I mean, I think it's just it's difficult to find people in D.C. that are not uh, friends of Obama's or have rubbed elbows with him or Joe uh, Biden. 
the president. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a very um, tight-knit city. It's a tight, it's a small little town. Everybody kind of knows everybody, and they either hate each other or they love each other. Uh, and then you got all those in the middle that subsist on the economy of Washington, and then they just, they don't, they don't hate anybody. They, they love everybody because everybody's one way or another uh, attached to their next uh, meal ticket. So, yeah, lamentably, that, that's the way things work in the D.C. swamp. Thank you for your call, Carolyn. I appreciate it. Big shout-out to everybody in Butte, Montana, on KXTL. I appreciate the listenership. And uh, I wanted to remind you again, now that we're close to the bottom of the hour, of the People's Choice Podcast Awards. Trust me, I know you're tired of hearing me talk about this. I will let it go um, in a couple of weeks <laughs> once they have the uh, the voting. But... If you want to vote for this show, which is podcasted every night, so we listen live tonight and by, I don't know, like an hour after this program's over, it's already available as a podcast. And it, is, it does pretty well in the rankings in the category we're in, which is government and organizations. And I can tell you that we were nominated for this, and I'm grateful to you for that. I'm also grateful for you for those that want to support and vote. You just have to register your email uh, to be a voter. All you do is you go to podcastawards.com, podcastawards, that's awards with an S, podcastawards.com, and you'll see a little blue box in the middle of the screen. You can go ahead and click on that little box, put my name in there, Rich Valdez, then you scroll down to government and organizations, that's our category, and you can go ahead and select Rich Valdez America at Night from the drop-down menu and cast your vote and... Uh, also, um, register your email to vote when they open up voting. So make sure you get that done, podcastawards.com. Anyway, Valdez here with you straight till 1 a.m. We're coming right back. Don't move a muscle. in any wars. We brought our people back home. We defeated ISIS. All of the things that we did. The fact is that it's not fair and it's probably not legal what they're doing. They want to interfere in my campaign. They want to interfere in the elections. A commonly used tactic in third world countries. That's where this tactic comes. Third world, fourth world, fifth world countries. And they're taking it to a level that our country has never seen the fake charges put forth in their sham indictment are an outrageous criminalization of political speech. This orders. You make a statement, oh, we have to indict him because he said we were dishonest. Let's indict him. Trump says he's being indicted because they think he's dishonest. And uh, I think the reality here is they just don't like him. They don't like what he's saying. And they're going to do anything they can and bend every rule to their favor in order to get their result. Welcome back, everybody. We're continuing with our phone calls across the nation. Uh, let us continue. 833-4825-337-8334 Valdez. Let us go to Nancy calling us from uh, Timwa, uh, Iowa. 
KBIZ. Go right ahead, Nancy. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Yeah, I want to say uh, Trump, I like him. I've liked him all along. I said one thing, he's not afraid to stand up for himself. And, uh, like, how much can you do to one guy? I mean, <laughs> how much mm-hmm. stuff can they do to one guy? I mean, I, I think a lot of it's all ridiculous. But if he runs for president, I'm going to vote for him. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. I think the point you made was great. You said, how much can they do to one guy? Right. I think that's what Americans are looking at. And there was a poll. I, I, see, I don't think I have it open here, but there was a poll that just came out on how uh, I think I don't know how many people were um, were interviewed, but they were discussing the indictments and how they felt about it. And most people felt it was over the top, uh, over the top. Let's see. I think it's here. Two thirds of Americans think January six charges against Trump are serious. And then you've got Americans are divided on the January 6th indictment uh, in line with other criminal. Let's, let's take a look at this one. This might be the one I was looking at. Something like 40-something percent. So, yeah, let me see. Two and three Americans view. That. So they think the charges are serious, uh, but they also feel like he should be charged with a crime about half and half. So interesting, right? So while they think it's a serious charge, they also think like, you know, come on. Now, of course, the charge is serious because that's how the government is painting it. They're saying it's a conspiracy to do this, a conspiracy to do that. I mean, he was president of the United States. He could have put an end to anything he felt like putting an end to. You know, I mean, in reality, right, there's a lot of things. uh, The the levers of power could have been pulled in many ways, and he didn't pull them. He just said, go peacefully and patriotically. Probably got to pull that audio. I might play that every day until this thing is resolved, just so that people can remember what he actually said. Because I think it's so important that we um, not lose sight of that, Nancy. But you're right. How much can we possibly do to one guy? And it looks like they're doing a lot. Nancy? Yeah, I, I, I like him. I like him all along. He, he just, I think he ran America a lot better than Biden did. I'm sorry, I'll just tell like it is. Yeah, listen, you got to be honest. Has put us in, he's put us in a bad state. Just go to the grocery store. That'll tell you how much he's brought up prices. I mean, and in our economy, it's ridiculous. I mean, just Very. go buy groceries. Yeah. Now, I want to ask you, Nancy, because uh, you're in Iowa and I'm not. Uh, what's the um, the sense in Iowa? Are people, um, you know, I guess people are gearing up for primary season with the Republican primary. What's the energy like? Who are the candidates that you hear people talking about? Well, right now, here in Iowa, Trump's on top right right now. He's he's in first place right here in Iowa oh, yeah, right now. I, yeah, I've seen that uh, from what I hear. But, I mean, is that what you're hearing when you go to, um, to you know, when you go to the supermarket? Are people talking about Trump or do they like some of the other candidates? You hear a lot of people talking about how, how Biden's uh, caused havoc with our economy. I mean, it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. That's good to know. He Thank has, you, Nancy. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I thought you were done. Go ahead. He's made bad things on our economy. That's the way it is. Yeah. I mean, that's, let me tell you, that's a pretty bad place to be when people are going to do their grocery shopping and people are like, hey, how you doing? Pretty good. Oh, this Biden, I tell you. And that's happening to me, too. <laughs> but people know I'm a critic. But uh, I love it, Nancy. Thank you for the conversation. I appreciate the call. Folks, we're going to continue with your calls straight ahead. 
We've got calls in California, another call from California, and uh, we're going to continue with your calls from the West Coast, the East Coast, and back again right after this, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Welcome back. And there was a riot in New York City. And uh, we have a clip from the uh, police chief in New York. Listen to this. It was quickly determined that an influencer was posting on social media about showing up to Union Square. It was encouraging all of his followers to come to the park. There were some posts also about giving away some gaming systems. At approximately 3 p.m., the post went viral and thousands of people began to arrive at Union Square. Soon the park and the surrounding streets were overrun with people. They were obstructing both vehicular and pedestrian traffic. The NYPD responded by calling a mobilization in response to the large crowd. As the crowd grew, so did our mobilization. The crowd was swarmed when the influencer finally arrived at the park. Individuals in the park begin to commit acts of violence towards the police and the public. There was a construction site within within the Union Park, uh, Union Square Park, and people broke into the park and they began to throw uh, articles that belonged to the construction site: paint cans, bottles, rocks. We had people walking around with shovels, uh, axes, and other tools from the construction trade. And additionally, individuals were also lighting fireworks, and they were throwing them towards the police. They were throwing them towards each other. So, again, he's talking about Twitch influencer K. I don't know if that's Senat or, yeah, I guess it looks like Senat. Uh, but Twitch is this um, online gaming platform where people can, you know, post videos and whatnot. And uh, he's going to be hit with a bunch of charges for organizing a mob of young fans that sent several people to the hospital. And... Uh, it just amazes me how, you know, um, I, again, you're only amazed when you see the video. I mean, there are people crawling up the sides of buildings. There's cops that are trying their best to, like, disperse the crowd, blocking bricks and bottles that are being flung through the air. Um, it, it's surreal, this video. I will um, share it on social media, at Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez, so you can see it. But there's some cops there with their riot helmets. They're picking up things that are being flung through the air. Uh, it's, it's absolute insanity what happened here. And, um, the cops didn't do anything to these people. They're just trying to get them out of here, but these people are attacking the cops and just, uh, just shows you how crazy things are. Like things have gotten, it it has become so fashionable. Uh, and again, maybe I'm talking to a crowd of people 
that were around in the 60s. Maybe things were crazy in the 60s, but I can tell you, I, I'm a kid from the 80s. Um, I didn't see this in the 80s or the 90s when I was growing up, and I was very little in the 80s. Uh, so, you know, I'm seeing this, and I'm like, wow, I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen people with so much contempt toward the police, and and wrongfully so, in my opinion, because we, we don't live in a better place today because we're attacking the cops, right? It seems like things are a lot worse. Anyway, um, maybe... Um, the right president or the right leaders will make a difference. Let's go to Tim calling us from Moore Park, California, on KVTA. Tim, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Tim Callum Carrion, U.S. president, best major candidate, K-A-L-E-M-K-A-R-I-A-N. Mm, wow. So uh, what is your platform, uh, Tim, since you're endorsing yourself for president? Love, peace, joy, truth, freedom, and self-control, which I all stole from Jesus. Yeah. Hey, listen, I love Jesus. I'm a big fan of his. Tell me about uh, your plans with respect to um, foreign policy. Uh, I can't say. I'll do the best I can. <laughs> okay. What about the economy? I'll do the best I can. That's, that's a winning strategy, Tim. Uh, I think it, it might help you stay married. That's probably good advice for a married man. Do the best you can. Um, I don't know if that's going to work for president, but we appreciate it. Good luck, Tim, calling from Moore Park, California on KVTA. We get them all here. I told you, we're, we're going to have every, uh, if they'll accept the invitation, we're going to have every candidate on this program, including Joe Exotic, the Tiger King, who's running in 2024 or has intentions to run. He's also seeking a pardon. And uh, like I said, we've got the wheels in motion on trying to make that happen. Uh, with um, our production staff and me going back and forth with his representatives and and him. uh, We're waiting for him to be able to make the call from the um, correctional facility he's in. So I'm hoping to bring you that, but I can't tease it just yet. But we continue. Now, in addition to the riot in New York, it's also National Beer Day. And man, is there a crazy story with beer? Listen to this. Um, Where is it? I'm here. You can listen to this. It's California Beer Company. They're using recycled shower and sink water to turn it into beer. It's called Epic One Water Brew. And uh, they are, they're, they've teamed up with Devil's Canyon Brewing to create Epic One Water Brew, a Kolsch-styled ale. I hope I said that right. Uh, making recycled water from showers and sinks and washing machines in, fifth, in 1550 a 40-story luxury apartment building. So they're taking it from the building and they're making uh, these drinks. That sounds absolutely gross. Uh, But buildings globally use 14% of all potable water. So they're trying to improve the environment by by making beer from recycled water. I don't know if I'd like that beer. I'm not even a big beer guy as it is. Uh, Let's go to Paul in Zanesville, Ohio. Paul. On WHIZ, what say you? Hey, what's happening, Rich? Hey, hey you know, um, with those right, with that riot that happened there, you know, what, what's happened to civility or civility? How you say it? Uh, civility. Um, this plane being civility, yeah, that's what I wanted to say. You mm-hmm. know what happened there? But what I wanted to talk about was when you brought this up about beer and chocolate chip cookies. Well, <laughs> what I, a combo! I made a batch of chocolate chip 
Yeah, she made a, a batch of chocolate chip cookies today, and I'm I was eating one and drinking a Bush Light. No uh, plug <laughs> for them. When you was talking about that, so and then Look you say that. this about the using the using the whatever it was the the kind of water shower water recycling. <laughs> Gee, thanks, Rich. You just put a damper on my day. You but see I that? Gotta tell you. Look, um, <clears throat> I work in a big box store, and as you know, this is national tax exempt uh, weekend for oh. school supplies and things like that. I didn't know that. So, That's a great um, thing to know. Yeah, so I, I, I worked in an 11 to 7 today, so I felt that I deserved that beer and chocolate chip ticket. So, but anyway, um, uh, I got a real quick story to tell you. Go this ahead. guy brought a swimming pool through, and it was just one of those ones that's above ground. And he takes it through, and then if he doesn't get uh, what he thinks he should, he says, well, this is tax-exempt day. And I said, well, what do you mean? I said, that's for, like, school supplies and pants and things like that. And he goes, well, my daughter's coming back to live with me for the school year, and she wants a swimming pool. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> sir, that's not how it works. <clears throat> and he goes, um, yeah, he said, well, um, I just think I want my tax off. I said, well, you can't do that. And he was like, well, I'll probably be bringing this pool back. But that's just the kind of stuff you put up with. And it's been, a, it's been a zoo in the big box stores today. So I just want people to keep their, how do you say it, Rich? Civility. How do you say it? Civility. civility. Keep yeah. your civility about you. Yes, because you've got guys like me out there that we're putting up with a lot of you right now. Be nice to us. Be kind <laughs> that, well, to us. Thank It'd God. Be a world, don't you think? Right, I agree, but I'm so thankful that you had your beer and chocolate chip cookie so that you could be a little calmer. Yeah, yeah, you, you, yeah, you, you, I mean, it's just, you know, calm down, quit, quit, you know, um, getting so upset, you know. Take it um, easy, right? We'll, we'll do the best. Have we a can. beer and have a chocolate right. chip cookie. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. I appreciate it. We're going to hit the break right now and come back. We've got a plenty of calls, and I'm going to do a speed round so we can get to everybody. So you got to keep your comments super brief, but I promise we'll get to all of you. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, we're in the speed round with minutes to go. Keep it very, very brief. Let's go to Benjamin, Lancaster, California, KTPI. Benjamin, go right ahead. Hey, how you doing today, Mr. Rich? Wonderful, sir. What's on your mind? Hey, I just uh, I want to keep it brief for you. I'm just uh, pretty impressed at how um, actions are speaking louder than words here real lately in politics. Uh, you have a lot of people that are pointing the finger at Trump as far as this indictment. And, uh, oh, he harmed so many people, but you're seeing what's going on in New York right now. And uh, yeah. it's just uh, only screaming for what it works. But being here in California, people assume that you're a Democrat. And uh, that uh, has been true in the past. But you'd be really impressed at how, with the way things play out, it's really turning, turning tides in this end of the country. Thank God. Right. Thank God we've got people that are, um, you know, um, waking up to things and saying, you know, we're not interested anymore. But you're, you're 100% right, Benjamin. Thank you for the call. Make sure you call back again. I love hearing from our friends in California. Let's continue. Uh, let's go to Daryl. Daryl is in Hawley, Minnesota on WDAY. Go right ahead. 
Oh, hi, Rich. Yeah, well, I was going to talk about January 6th, but can I read two verses out of Isaiah 58? You only have like 20 seconds, so I would just make the comment you're going to make as quickly as you can. We're down to 10 now. <laughs> All right, Daryl. Thank you. I appreciate it very much. I appreciate it. I, I will uh, check Isaiah 58 out uh, after the show. It, all of it, the entire chapter. Let us go to Pat Sedona, Arizona. Pat, go right ahead. Rich, I know I only have a few moments, but I wanted to tell people about that podcast that you did on Thursday. It connects mm. a lot of dots about the Russian exclusion and the long uh, espionage that they have changed our society in the schools where everybody is in charge is one of them, and they are uh, causing a lot of trouble, causing us to be in crisis mode. This riot in New York City is another form of a crisis mode caused yeah. by these people. And that's Oh, this going is so good. Rich. I could do an hour-long show with you on this one, Pat, because you know what? I, I did some studying a, a while back, a couple of years ago, that said that the communists are famous for using recklessness and fire to make a point, and that they like the idea of these black billows of, of smoke and the plumes of the flames to, to um, pe- throw people off their guard. That's why in riots they start fires. Fascinating. It's not just to destroy things and make a point. There's a whole science behind it, and uh, the communists invented this, mainly the, the, um, the uh, Stalinists. And uh, very, very interesting stuff that you're bringing up. But thank you for plugging the podcast. I appreciate that. I'm glad you're listening to the podcast and to the live show and for calling in. Make sure you check us out and vote for us at podcastawards.com. Rich Valdez, America at Night is the selection I would ask you to make. And that's Valdez with an S, of course. And, of course, it's Friday, so that means we'll be back on Monday. We have a best of program from some of – we had some really great interviews this week. So hopefully you've got a chance to check that out over the weekend. But until the next time, hasta la próxima. Take care, good night, and God bless. We're going to do it all again on Monday if the good Lord allows it. Uh, I will be back with you. Until then, there's great programming following me right on this station. So don't go anywhere. I am Rich Valdez. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.